opening roots and growing branches here at New Life EFC Hastings, Minnesota. Paul Arnerberg with <laughs> Pastor Brent Compelin, and we are glad to be back with episode 44. You know, as a young man, Brent, yeah. uh, in my 20s, I, I once quipped to one of my family physicians, boy, it seems like I have a lot of little health problems. And he said, that's better than one big health problem. <laughs> so I'll tell you, I learned that, and I'm learning that now as I am now in my mid-50s, in that a lot of little health problems persist, but uh, on the other hand, they remind me to rejoice with the rest of the body. For instance, I'm getting shoulder therapy now. I think it was a bullwhip incident in my last juggle jam that has <laughs> kind of tweaked my shoulder for almost a year. Wow. And so I'm doing this. Good news, I don't need surgery. It's not anything I could tear, no rotator cuff. But the reason this relates uh, to our last transformational outcome, um, individual to community, is because just like the body is is one member with or, or one one entity with many parts, the community has many people and many individuals in it. So we are going to have this last two part episode, individual to community, celebrate our twelfth and final transformational outcome. Yeah. So if you haven't listened to them, I've mentioned this in writing and in this podcast in the past. You may go back. They're relatively timeless. Yes, we do try to talk in our day and age. We started this podcast in fall of 22, and now we are in the winter of 24. But nonetheless, even if you listen to this 50 years from now, I would propose that these uh, episodes, because they're based on the timeless word of God, yep. the eternal truths of the Lord, these are applicable. So Brent, uh, any body-like things you have to share about, I know you've had <laughs> your shoulder issues as a baseball player. Uh, I mean, we all know, like you're there, we're, we're connected. Uh, my kids, I, you know, I taught them the old song, like the, you know, the leg bones connected to oh, the yeah. hip bone or whatever. Yep. I mean, it is really an interesting metaphor, and the scriptures are so clear with the church as a body that the church has many members. That they, we, have, uh, there is a sense of community, and mm. so our last transformational outcome is on moving from individual mm. to community. And I'm excited that we've worked our way through all of these transformational outcomes, kind of an outline of the various ways we specifically see gospel impact in our cultural moment in our day and age. Uh, the things that we have maybe as idols or things that get sideways or things that we see as particular areas of sin in our world or, or, or things that just aren't aligned with God's kingdom, transforming and moving towards the good and beautiful design of God, the redemptive work he does in our lives through Christ in the gospel, and as we come together as the church, the ways that we want to live yes. together yep. um, as a living witness to God's kingdom as we await Christ's return. So today, individual to community... We need to start first by talking a little bit about what it means to live in a culture that's highly individualistic. Mm -hmm. And some key ideas need to sort of be discussed here, brought forward. And it it there's some there's some terminology I think that's been very helpful for me. Um, there's a a classic book that's called Habits of the Heart that was written by Robert Bella, and there's other colleagues he was writing that with. And I, if I if I remember sort of the the correct um, who came up with this term, I believe it was Robert Bella. He coined a term called expressive individualism mm -hmm. to describe our day and age. And for those of you listening, lock that term into your mind. Expressive individualism is a very unique combination of words. It's a very unique description and moniker to describe our day. And it's, it's not merely that we view ourselves primarily as individuals, which is true. That actually has a historical development over time mm -hmm. that is 
uh, a unique feature of Western culture, mm. as opposed to maybe some other areas of the world throughout history and even today. But we're not just individuals, but we're individuals who feel that we are entitled to and must express ourselves. And so think about that for a moment. Just those two words help to interpret and decipher a lot of what we see in the culture around us. So when I say expressive individualism, Paul, what what, what comes to mind? Well, and you mentioned individualism, and of course I think of American mentality. As you were speaking, one thing I had, not in my pre-show notes, but it's interesting, just names. Uh, in America, we're all known usually by our first name, or maybe a title, Dr. So-and-so, Pastor Brent, or whomever, uh, but it's it's Paul Arnerberg. It's Brent Compelin, and the middle name you want to throw that in there. Mm. Uh, I learned many years ago in Asia, many Asian countries, I believe Japan and China, two among them, it's always the last name first. It's interesting. Even the yeah. family name comes first. Yeah. Then it's individual. And it reminds me, I just rewatched the movie Miracle because uh, in February, it's the anniversary of the gold medal game in, in um, 1980. And Herb Brooks says, the name on the front of your jersey is a lot more important than the one on the back. And the one on the front says USA, and the one on the back says Arusioni or O'Callaghan or um, yeah. uh, McClanahan or whatever player it was. And so that alone, too, it says... We need, regardless of culture, yes, Americans' rugged individualism is another uh, term I've heard, but expressive individualism is, is a synonym in parallel. If we uh, make an idol out of individualism, we're forgetting we're part of the whole, and we also represent the whole. We represent our family name. We huh. represent the name of Christ. And yes, we represent our country, but also we represent what are you trying to show to humanity about the way you're looking at things? Are you using people as commodities yep. or as precious? just image bearers and, and in many cases, Christ bearers. Yes. Some of the roots of expressive individualism come from the uh, deconstruction of authority structures and questioning of inherited values and sort of rebellion against uh, family ties and all the things that kind of come out of a, a post-modernity, mm -hmm. the post-modern, late-modern cultural mindset. There's a lot, and you go back generation or two now into the mid 20th century, 50s and 60s and 70s, and some of you listening who lived through those decades, you know that there was this radical shift in the value base and the way that people view um, themselves and what they're, you know, where the, what's good and what's right, what's moral, um, the cultural, social, sexual revolutions of that day and age really flipped a lot of the inherited values and the authority structures upside down. Mm. That's late modernity. That's the world uh, we live in now. So young people, especially today, they don't remember those old days when people really sought to uh, uh, work towards um, honoring the family name, taking mm. the family vocation to uh, be a part of a stream of generations of people mm -hmm. who are... Uh, continuing on in the same set of values. Most people today, most young people, especially in the last generation or two, inherently view their life as against those inherited values. Mm. And so there's a sense where young people um, naturally, sort of innately, as in the cultural climate we're in, view their life as, I can do it better than the previous generation. Mm, wow. That's the assumption now. Yep. No longer than, what can I learn from them? It's, they got it all wrong, we can do it better. Yeah. That is kind of the flavor of the day. Yeah, modernist arrogance. Yeah. So that's really expressive individualism 
is this I'll strike out on my own and do it my way. Mm -hmm. And uh, isn't that a Frank Sinatra song? Or <laughs> <laughs> my way, sure. Do it my way. Yep. yep. And it's this sense that I'll strike out on my own. I can set my own trajectory. I'll come up with my own set of values mm -hmm. and my own uh, definition of myself. And then I'm going to express that out into the world. Mm. Another little moniker that's been helpful for me is um, I, as I was doing some research for the doctoral work I'm doing, I was doing a lot of reading about individualism mm -hmm. because I think when you're going to do church ministry in this day and age, you really have to understand late modernity, you have to understand individualism, you have to understand the, cl the climate of the world that we're in mm -hmm. uh, in order to be effective in preaching the gospel. Um, one writer I was reading described how the world we're living in now that we've moved from a culture of forming to a culture of performing. Mm. And um, this particular pastor was saying that we have in, a, in previous generations this sense that um, my life is about growing in maturity, and I can, I, I, there are others who have gone before that I can learn from and stand on their shoulders. There was more of a sense prior to the Cultural Revolution, middle of the 20th century, prior to World War II especially, where uh, there was more respect for the previous generations and what you can learn and grow, and that the view of my life was I am growing. Um, the view of the life was that um, you lived in a context of formation and of growth and maturity, and you viewed your life as a process of growing mm. uh, more mature. Maybe that's just, it's a. I realize it's a generalization, but today, most of the current generation instead views their life as um, the world is my stage mm. and people are watching me. I yes. mean, literally on social media. Yeah. And I need to perform. I need to take who I think I am inside and my self-made meaning, and I need to express that out to the world. Mm -hmm. And so no longer are we in the stream of generations where we come into a formational framework and we mature through uh, rites of passage and through taking up the family business and through being a part of the same community over generations, our mobility, our individualism, our seeking our own um, you know, success, our self-actualization, like I just need to be the best me that I can be. This expressive individualistic culture has created a, the flavor of it is that we are constantly feeling that we have to perform. Yes. And that performance, uh, that, that, that need to perform is crushing people. Mm-hmm. It's another form of works righteousness, really, yes. to think that if I don't perform, I won't be accepted, I won't be valued, I won't have inherent worth unless I show yep. something for every whatever. Exactly. And it's like I said, it's crushing people. It's crushing young people especially. Mm -hmm. If you just look at the statistics these days of what's going on with the impact of social media on especially young women, mm. holy smokes. Yeah, that's right. It's destroying a generation. Mm -hmm. The amount of anxiety that's pervasive the increases in self-harm and in emotional unhealth and anxiety. I mean, it's just for everybody. We all feel this sense that uh, I've got to go out and perform. These people are watching. I'm going to put my life out on display. Mm -hmm. And somehow the comments and likes and whatever other, you know, things people are, are sort of self-congratulatory on the internet, that somehow that gives us meaning that's actually an incredibly toxic and damaging performance-based 
as you say, like really works-based yeah. approach to life that will destroy you. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And so this is the, we're starting to get some real good descriptions here of the world that we're living in. Uh, expressive individualism was super helpful for me. Moving from a culture of forming to performing oh. has been really helpful for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so what else, com- what else comes to mind for you, Paul, when you think about individualism and the world we're in? A phrase that I grew up with or came of age in the, in the early 90s was self-actualization, yeah. which uh, I, I remember my former pastor wrote a, a tribute to the church secretary in a, in a large downtown church, and, um, and he said, Elsie, that was her name, a great name for a church secretary, Elsie never was interested in self-actualization, but in serving behind the scenes without having to have this fulfillment that was uh, either world-contrived or unreachable because of her own ideas. She just was a faithful servant behind the scenes. And it just reminds me of Jesus' parables, too, that if you, if you pray in secret, you'll be rewarded by the Father. If you give a cup of cold water in my name, you will not lose your reward. Jesus looks at the most minute form of obedience, not necessarily followers, likes, uh, fame, money, or prestige, or even degrees, or or titles. He's looking at faithfulness, and that does not always mean, in fact, it probably most of the time does not mean public accolades, public uh, uh, affirmation. Now, of course, we we love affirmation, but if that is our primary motivation, and if we are if we are depressed for not getting enough likes, back to what you said about the anxiety producing social media, especially among girls. And we did cover that, by the way, in a a recent podcast as well, when we talked about the trends uh, since 2007 when the uh, iPhone came out. If we look at that and we're incapacitated by those measurements and the the, the performing, then um, we are not ever going to be satisfied. And in fact, we have taken our eyes off of pleasing the audience of one, and that is Jesus, the one who has called Christ. Yeah, it reminds me of when Jesus describes the, how he critiques the Pharisees for being very overt and flashy and showing off on their righteousness. Yep. And there's multiple instances of this in the Gospels. And one of them I'm thinking of, you know, is from Matthew 6. And he's describing uh, fasting specifically, but describing so many times in the scriptures about hip, about being hypocr- uh, a hypocrite yes. and about hypocrisy. Uh-huh. Um, he says, when you fast, don't look... Do not look somber as the hypocrites do. This is uh, Matthew 6, 16 and following. For they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. (laughs) Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Mm -hmm. There's the amount of... The amount of um, photos of people's dinners oh. <laughs> that I've seen on the internet yeah. is just, I've done it. But like, it's sort of, you step back for a moment and you realize how many, how many posts or photos or things have we in, I don't use social media almost at all anymore. Like it's just, I'm over it. There's, there's, there's been years now where most of us have just put our lives on the internet for mm-hmm. people to look at. And we've done this where we sort of put our best image of ourselves out there and we're expressing who we think we are, what, what we're doing. We think we're so great. We've talked about this in previous episodes, yeah. 
But in so many ways, it's like this public display of expressive individualism. It doesn't, it's actually corrupting the genuine things that could be the secret things of our hearts as we're aligned with God. I know that they they don't necessarily have to be that way, but boy, it's a dangerous slippery slope to be on, to be putting everything out there on display for all to see in your life on uh, in social media or whatever. Um, the expressive individualism makes it much harder for us to do things with a genuineness in our heart mm-hmm. that allows, as this passage says, what's done in secret, that what's unseen, those unseen things, that calm demeanor, like not showing off and being flashy and all this expressive individualism things, but actually just quietly walking day by day, that's a sign of maturity. That's a sign of what God is seeing in terms of faithfulness over time. And that's so right. we have to be careful. Individualism can quickly sort of turn uh, towards self-promotion and become toxic and actually erode our ability to have that wholehearted, genuine faithfulness to God. And instead, it becomes we become hip- hypocrites who are just on display. Yeah, and I, th- I would say it also uh, erodes contentment and, yeah. and yeah. S- satisfaction in the simplest things. So if we're only content, like I said earlier about the likes and all that, but also money, fame, prestige, then we are always chasing after something that is unattainable. Whereas if we are content... Uh, as Paul even said in food and clothing, but also in serving daily, uh, daily walking with the Lord and how do I serve people? How do I, how am I faithful in the moment? Recently, in addition to my shoulder pain, I, I came down with a flu, probably the worst in my life when it came to laying me out with a fever for about four or five days. And Wendy just said, okay, one day at a time. You don't have to worry about next Wednesday when you have a podcast and juggling and youth group, just get through this day. And so I, w- I had to be faithful to rest, to be ready for coming back to my work week. And similarly, and that, that's a dramatic example of being laid out and, and incapacitated but also ready to go back and minister. But similarly, in a a regular setting, in a family, in a church, in a workplace, we want to be faithful in each conversation rather than calculate how is this going to jockey me to go ahead? How how is it going to make me look good so I am thought of better by my superiors or my underlings or my family or my friends? No, you just, you want to be faithful and include sometimes saying the hard things and being faithful from the word of God so that we are not dumbing down that message and trying to uh, have pretenses to not have people look bad in us because we're the messenger of, of bad news. Yep. Yep. You're exactly right. So what we're getting at here in a few of these things is that expressive individualism or the individualistic culture we're in affects our view of ourselves and our relationships. So it's a very relational uh, thing. And yet there's also, there's another couple dimensions of it, or at least one that I'm thinking of, and maybe you can think of some others, Paul, but one of them is that individualism and individualistic approaches that, uh, you know, we would call unhealthy and not godly they can result in us feeling that we are the arbiters of truth. Oh, yes. Individualism is not just a relational thing mm-hmm. in that it becomes me performing or whatever other things. It is also has the danger of me viewing myself as the supreme decider of right and wrong. Ah, yeah. And individualism now subverts the authority of God mm. in his revealed truth through generally in creation, as Mm -hmm. we look at the beautiful and good design of this world that we live in Mm -hmm. and how it reflects the glories of God and his majesty, as Romans 1 says, his his glorious power uh, and and his eternal qualities, right? Mm -hmm. But also especially through the word of God Mm -hmm. and the word made flesh, Jesus Christ, we can look at God's word 
And as expressive individuals, we can look like literally, I mean, some of you, you're not watching me, but me and Paul are sitting here. Some of the, like, I like to visualize things. We can hold, we can approach God's word as though we stand over top of it in judgment of whether it's mm. correct. Yeah. And I'm like, so you can't see me, but I'm literally like standing over top of my Bible and pointing down at it. Like yeah. I get to decide whether God's correct. Mm-hmm. And instead, the redemptive way or the way that we actually sit under you don't lose your individual, you don't lose the fact that you're an individual in this instance. Mm-hmm. But instead of me being the arbiter of truth, which is crossing the line into, I'll call it a sinful version of individualism, mm. I want to take God's word and I want to hold it up and I want to sit under the authority of God. Mm-hmm. He loves me. He yeah. made me as an individual, but I'm not the arbiter of all things, right? <laughs> That's right. So I, Thank you know, God. you can't see me out there, friends, but I'm holding the Bible above my head, you know, yeah. and I'm trying to imagine sitting under the authority of God and his word and accepting those things, not feeling that I'm somehow sitting on the throne to judge all things. Mm-hmm. That's the error and honestly the sin and distortion and toxicity of expressive individualism. That's right. Yeah. Yep. I'm going to, uh, we're going to wrap up in a few minutes because we're going to yeah. do this a two parter, but I'm going to have a movie reference. I've not referred to this movie for 23 episodes. It's, it's called Quiz Show. And the reason I bring this up again, <laughs> that, that was my way to introduce 21 in episode 21. And yeah. I still recommend that movie to everybody, um, 1994 with um, Ray Fiennes and Paul Schofield. But there's a really poignant scene. I don't believe I related this anecdote in that previous podcast shout out. But there's a great scene between this real-life father and son. Um, uh, I believe, uh, well, Charles Van Dorn was the main protagonist. I forgot his dad's name, Van Dorn, played by Paul Schofield. But they were arguing because uh, Charlie was this game show contestant, and they were both these erudite, high-level sophisticates in Columbia University. Mm. And um, uh, Charles, who's 33 at the time, was saying, Dad, it was just a quiz show. I was just on a quiz show. Um, and he says... Uh, um, there was my own, it was my own. And then, and Paul Schofield says, your name is mine. And I thought, mm. what a wonderful line that, that gravitas to say, no, Charlie, being on that quiz show, uh, and sorry for the spoiler alert, but scamming the audience that you knew the answers, but you're fed them in advance. That wasn't just to get $122,000 in 1957. That took away the reputation of our family. And therefore, uh, we you cannot just see that individual choice of you getting rich because you were good-looking and smart from a, a good-name family. That wasn't enough for you to justify your individual choice. Now, the entire Van Dorn family's name is tainted, even if our intellect isn't necessarily questioned, our integrity is. And the point yep. is, in this individual to community transformational outcome part one uh our individual choices do affect everybody i said this in a recent two-parter on marriage or one part uh, when we recapped the efca conference i believe it was episode 43 uh when we are 42 we recapped marriage um no marriage is an island and similarly no person is an island and in this case your moral choices your spiritual choices professional choices everything you do affects everybody around you including your family of origin and certainly if you're married if you're a child it affects your parents so remember your Mm. choices and ultimately of course we know from a christian worldview our choices reflect our heavenly father because his name is on us his name is ours yeah it's incredible Mm -hmm. I, i it was something you're 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 drawing attention to we're going to develop in the next part here which is 
we have to question sometimes or we have to be honest about our approach, about the way that we're viewing our lives and our engagement in the world and who we are as God's children. You mm. know, if you're a follower of Christ and listening to this, uh, the scriptures are very clear. You are not your own. Yes. You were, you bought, were bought, with, bought with a price. You were bought with a price. Yeah. So the scriptures are so clear that you were fashioned and designed and created by God with his mm -hmm. for, for uh, knowledge and ordaining sovereign power. He created you. That's right. And so now, as he's purchased you by Christ's blood to be a part of his family, adopted as a child, you are not your own. Mm -hmm. You've been bought at a price. And so our lives belong to God. He is sovereign over every square inch of my life, mm -hmm. your life, Paul, mm -hmm. those that are followers of Christ, and indeed this entire creation, which will be, of course, uh, redeemed, restored, renewed in the new heavens and new earth. And so we're living as a foretaste and signpost of that uh, of that sovereign authority and power of God. Mm -hmm. Our culture's expressive individualism is deliberately set against that. Yes. It is uh, an anti-gospel. And you just reminded me that the whole idea of inventing our own reality as yes. well, our own identity that should usurp not only our birth identity and our identity as a as an image bearer of God, but it usurps reality so as to say, I can invent who I ever want to be. That is not true. And we're going to run into brick walls. Yep. And it's not even necessarily a threat. It's just to say, that's a fact. And so yes. get right with what is God's design for for us. And that reminds me also, Brent, that maybe we'll flesh this out more in episode 45, but um, uh, this whole idea of community as, as superior to individuality, it doesn't mean we have to negate individuality yeah. any more than in a marriage. A woman doesn't negate femininity and a man does not negate masculinity. In fact, we maximize it and together yeah. we blend together into one. Similarly, we can maximize our God-given gifts and in individuality, but it's to be subservient to the community so that we are serving a greater good rather than our own self-actualization or expressive individualism. Yeah, exactly. It reminds me of Augustine's famous line in the opening paragraphs of his classic book, Confessions. Mm. He said, our hearts are restless mm. unless they, until they find rest in you. Ah. And if you try to find rest for your soul in expressive individualism, mm. you will not. Uh, you yes. will be a restless wanderer around the desert of this culture. That's great. And you will only find rest in, as God created and fashioned you, as David says, knitting you together in mm. your mother's womb mm -hmm. as an individual person whom he's created in his image. Like you are a unique beloved child of God. If you follow the Christ, like you, God made you specifically. So again, it doesn't negate the fact that you have a uniqueness as an individual, mm -hmm. but expressive individualism will put you on the throne uh, and not God on the throne in your life. That's right. And that's why it's wrong. So it, the questions we're going to ponder in the next episode are, you know, when we talk about our approach as individuals, often we think through the lens of what can I get out of this? Yeah. Instead of, as a community, asking, what am I contributing for the well-being of others? Yes. And that is probably where we need to start in the next part, because that'll help us to frame out a gospel-centered approach 
about um, how we're a part of the family of God, a community mm. of faith. So that's coming up next. That's right. So we, this is episode 44. We're glad to be here in the final transformational outcome with deepening roots and growing branches. This is Paul Arneberg, director of Disciple by Doing with Pastor Brent Compline, our lead pastor here in North Hastings, Minnesota. We'll see you for episode 45 on Roots and Branches. <laughs> <laughs>